Welcome to Hallmark Up with Mary and Sarah. So, wow, this is, welcome to another episode of Hallmarked Up. This is episode eight, I believe, right? Let me jump check. Yes, yes. And we watched The Holiday Sitter with Jonathan Bennett and George Krizov, which was a very big first for Hallmark because it was the first, it wasn't the first time a gay couple appeared, but this is like first gay leads, definitely Christmas movie. I think they had like, they had a gay wedding, but it was not, again, not the main storyline, right, Mary? Yeah, this is definitely the first one that I'm aware of. Definitely the first Christmas movie, the first Hallmark movie at all that I'm aware of. We don't follow the non-Christmas ones as closely in which it is a straight up gay romance with two men as you know lead characters in the past few years there have been a few other movies where there have been um lgbtq secondary characters right but and, and to be fair jonathan bennett jonathan bennett was in one last year i believe where he and his boyfriend were in a family setting of a other story but this like two characters falling in love in the LGBTQ community has never happened before in a Christmas movie as far as we are as far as we know. And Jonathan Bennett actually wrote this, but we felt like to really do this movie justice, we needed to have some of our LGBTQ community members as co-hosts. So introduce yourselves, guys. Who do we have with us today? Hi, I'm Matt. I am a production designer and uh it's oh, my first Hallmark movie watching uh the whole thing yay we're very excited to get your production eye as well and who's with you uh hi i'm jonathan i'm matt's boyfriend um i am also a hallmark christmas movie virgin yay excellent and they are joining us from florida and we also have chris joining us from denver chris tell us about you hey my name is chris um I live in Denver. It is about to snow here, so it's feeling very Hallmarky. <laughs> I also have never seen a full Hallmark movie from beginning to end. Um, my parents were here like unannounced and joined me, and we had a whole family debate after it. So it was a good time. Oh, I want to hear about the family debate. We'll we'll get there. <laughs> That's excellent. All right, so we'll have Mary sort of kick us off and tell us what happened in the Holiday Sitter. All right, so. To start off, we are introduced to our main character, Sam, played by Jonathan Bennett. We're first introduced to him on what appears to be a first date. Did you guys get that impression? That was the first scene of who was on a first date. And we right away get the idea that he is a very busy, career-driven person. He is some kind of consultant. It's I was going to say, unclear. did we ever figure out what his job yeah. was? No, was no job? we never figured it out. He's, I couldn't tell if he was guy. like a, an a, an agent or like, cause they wanted him to help with acting. He had to help with so many things, decorating, acting. I wasn't sure. In, that, in that very first scene where he's on a first date, he's kind of explaining what he does. And it basically seems like very rich people hire him to keep them from making terrible decisions. That's about it. Which is but... then ironic that he has to then hire somebody to help him right. do basic things basic right. basic okay we'll get there you're going but, we'll get there. but also how do you get that job to make a lot of money at it because throughout the movie we'll see that the solution to most problems is to throw money at them so whatever it is he is doing okay at it so he's some kind of consultant very busy career driven he is planning on going to hawaii for christmas by himself he's not celebrating with any family he does see his family parents are divorced he has a younger sister Kat, who is married has two children see them as often as they would like to see him. see him they live in the suburbs he lives in new york if i'm not mistaken the eatery yeah, he movies lives in manhattan okay so he must make lots of money so enter sam's sister kathy so kathy and sam's brother-in-law nate kathy's husband are about to adopt a third child and the birth mother goes into labor two weeks earlier than expected and they don't have child care for the two children that they already have 13 year old miles and danya who i don't think we get her age but i'm gonna say she's about eight what do you guys think 
I have sure. no idea about I children. I think that's either. kind of close, something like that. Yeah. So anyways, they need childcare for Miles and Danya, and they go through this thing where they like list everyone they know, and they're like, can so-and-so do it? No. Can mom do it? No. Can dad do it? No. Can so-and-so? No. And finally, Nate's like, well, what about your brother? And Kathy's like, Sam? Oh, and so they finally discovered they have no other options. They call Sam and beg him to come babysit. And she calls it a favor for some time when she like kept a secret for him when they were in high school or whatever. And he finally agrees to do it. Meanwhile, their next door neighbor, Jason, is going to watch the kids until Sam gets there. Jason, let's take a moment to introduce him. First of all, Jason is a smoke show. And I think we can all agree on that. 100%. I didn't think so, but, you know, he was all right. I talked to my mother. So my mother, for those of you who are unaware, is a big Hallmark fan. So I talked to her right before I got on this call. And she said, what movie are you doing this week? And I said, we're doing The Holiday Sitter. And she was like, can I say that one of those men was very, very attractive? And I was like, yes. Yes, you may. And that is correct. And that was Jason. Anyways. I was like, what's a smoke show? And I'm like. I oh, did... extremely hot smoking. Oh, okay. He's just, <laughs> this is a burning hot. Okay. Yeah. He's smoking. So anyways, Jason is a smoke show. And so hot neighbor Jason is a single gay man looking to start a family. He is tired of waiting around for Mr. Wright. And he has decided that he is going to take steps towards adopting and becoming a single dad in the new year. But he, you know, he's very early in this process. He's got to get a lawyer. It's going to cost a lot of money. There's a lot still to do. And he seems to have a really good relationship with Kathy and Nate and their kids. They seem to be, you know, pretty good friends. And Jason has a big family, a bunch of siblings, they all have tons of kids. So we have a sort of meet cute between Sam and Jason when Sam shows up to babysit and, and knocks on the wrong door. He actually knocks on Jason's door. Jason, of course, is at Sam's sister's house and sees Sam knocking on his door, comes out, and they have this you know, meet cute, which I, I texted, uh, I, I texted you guys when this happened and said that I think that Matt meet cute, they had more chemistry than 95% of Hallmark couples because Hallmark couples typically act like robots towards each other who have never heard of sexual chemistry. So, I sorry. forgot about the gnome. Oh yeah. What was the deal with the gnome? The perverted attachment to the gnome that then came back at the ending was, um, was... Is that a gay term? I pet don't the know. gnome? Like, pet the gnome. Is he, like, pet the, the gnome twice? Twice. I don't know. Maybe there was something there. Yeah, I didn't get what was going on with the gnome, honestly, though. He, he did come back at the end, you're right. And I could see that in a production meeting where someone was like, we must have the gnome in the front of the door so he can touch the gnome. Someone ran someone <laughs> get that gnome. That makes me feel dirty. I'm not sure I feel about the gnome. <laughs> right? There's something about the gnome that was strange. So anyways, so Sam is not super good with kids. He doesn't have a lot of experience with kids. And Kathy has left him a very detailed schedule with very specific instructions, including what time everyone has to get up what everybody's having for breakfast, what everyone's doing at 10 a.m., what the daily craft is going to be, so on and so forth. And one of the conditions of him agreeing to babysit was that he wouldn't have to cook because apparently last time he cooked, he started a fire. The whole neighbor neighborhood knows about this and it comes up repeatedly throughout the movie. Like, remember that time when you came and you cooked? I'm like, oh yeah, haha. So anyways, he's not going to cook. So in the morning, pancakes are for breakfast Danya right away wakes him up and says, Mom said I could have pancakes for breakfast. So they're going to order pancakes from the only place in town that serves vegan pancakes because apparently Danya is vegan. And lo and behold, they are closed and, you know, they get the numbers but disconnected. And so he doesn't know what to do. I mean, while we're talking about food, when he actually does learn to cook and he kind of cooks that like last final breakfast, if you actually looked at the table, there were some berries and some fresh squeezed orange juice and then some random dish that was sort of hidden behind glasses. So I was like, did he actually make this or did he just open up some containers and wash some berries? Or was that really what was left over from the production breakfast the morning of? <laughs> right, craft services. He just took it off the craft service table. I was like, look, I made it breakfast. A moment of desperation. Okay, breakfast. 
vegan pancakes are just for the needed. girl though right just for the girl who is like throwing the closest any hallmark kid will ever come to a temper tantrum usually we have hallmark kids who are angelically behaved in this way that nobody with even passing familiarity what me- like young members of our species are like would ever believe but in this case we have you know this little girl gets really upset and she's like pancakes I want pancakes and he's like I will pay you $50 to stop saying that and she's like I want pancakes and again with Sam clearly doesn't know how to solve problems without throwing money at them so he is out of ideas or Mary we've discovered how privileged this family really is that $50 is not making this child calm down right (laughs) we can just move on right so anyways he calls Jason because what else are you going to do and says, you know, I will pay you to make pancakes. And Jason's like, fine, you don't have to pay me. I'll make pancakes. And so he comes and he makes Christmas pancakes and there's food coloring in them. And they look like cute little Christmas trees and there's whipped cream and there's decoration. And it's extremely cute. After that, Sam approaches Jason and asks if he would co-nanny with him and offers to pay him for the service of co-nannying because he's like you seem to have this uncle thing figured out you're very good at being an uncle and I have no idea what I'm doing can you please co-nanny with me and at first Jason is hesitant to accept any money for the arrangement and Sam insists and he says I wouldn't feel comfortable you know calling you up and asking all these favors just for nothing so please let me pay you and then Jason says well actually I have you know some expenses coming up because I'm looking at adopting I'm gonna have to pay some legal fees and this is you know, what I'm going to have to pay for a retainer for a lawyer. I don't think Mary that, that he knew why he needed or why he needed the lawyer at this point. He made that agreement. He just said that he needed a lawyer retainer, but he didn't actually know why. Okay. Thank you. Because we're saving up for the big reveal that Jason is gay. Yes. Which happens actually right after this, when this was one of the more cringeworthy (laughs) moments I thought where Jason makes a comment about Sam's shoes and then Sam has like a like does a double take and realizes that he's gay and it was kind of like but you guys were definitely flirting and had sparks flying before this is it anyways oh yeah that was so annoying that like that was the signifier that we had to be like a design fashionista to be the qualifier right it's not the fact that they're obviously attracted to each other it's like the gays in their shoes like does no, they would have opened up Grinder and figured out who was like one foot away. <laughs> exactly. And, and I particularly wish I could like, because I watched it on my TV. I wish I had screenshotted Jonathan Bennett's face when he figured it out because it was just actually probably his worst theatrical moment in the show. Because I just it did feel very hallmarky, right? Like that's the part that I was like, oh, right, here we are back to reality. That's what well, this movie is. Because it sort of, I suppose, would be like, a straight person's interpretation of when they figure out that someone likes them is exactly what obviously happens when you find out someone might be gay and you don't even know if they care about you. Like, yeah, because two gays in the room have to obviously date. If there exactly. Are two, if there exactly. are two gay so, men in one room, there, there's something between them. So his reaction is very much like what a straight person would do when they find out that the person they have a crush on has a crush on them too. But that's not what happened at all. So... I mean, lucky for him, that is what happens. But it just was very, a creative license was taken on the how they would have figured that out. Because you're right, Chris, they have an app for that. But here's the bigger question. What's the brand of the loafers, Ann? I don't know. Rosini? Worst product placement ever. Well, I did (laughs) wonder. I mean, It's funny that you say that because. Is it a real brand? I don't know. Is that a real brand? I don't know about brands. I don't know either. Okay, so if there's three gays on the call that are like, I don't know what this is, find another problem. You know when you <laughs> auto-type in, when you type in something on Google and it like autofills, the first thing that comes up is loafers. Rosini loafers. There we oh, okay. Well, I guess we're all broke bitches on this call that don't know about the... <laughs> Although Rosini... Yeah, let's get a price point on these loafers. I, yeah. I don't know. What's the price point on Rosini? To be fair, there's quite a lot of Rosinis, different kinds. Matina, I don't know, Aldo Rosini. On Poshmark, they're selling for less than $50. Oh, wow. Well, and you know they're, on, they're on Amazon News. So I don't think we can call them. No, these must not be what they're talking about. Because a gay man would not be caught dead in these shoes. I can tell you. <laughs> 
Anyways, so after breakfast, it is off to Miles's audition. So Miles is auditioning for a Christmas play because he has a crush on Arabella, who is Jason's niece. So just to keep this straight again, Sam's nephew, Miles, age 13, has a crush on Jason's niece, Arabella, who is in this Christmas play and wants him to audition. Therefore, he auditions. I do have some questions about why the auditions for the Christmas play are three days before Christmas, but whatever. That was a good call out. When you texted that yesterday, I was like, oh, yeah, totally. True. Yeah, no. And they're all worried that it's not going to be very good. No one would be very good if they only got their part three days before the performance. Right. Like, when are they even rehearsing? And they judged Miles so much for maybe not being good enough. And you're like, well, how good are these other people? But anyways, he gets the part. What we're we're explaining right now is that the production schedule for Hallmark (laughs) is three days before shooting. (laughs) There you go. That is why we're watching what we're watching. Anyways, he gets the part and it's applied. The only reason he got the part is because only two people auditioned for it and the other guy was really, really bad. So... He gets the part, yay. And he's in the play with his crush and he's a nervous wreck about it and he's not good. Anyways, what follows now is a series of sort of very Christmassy slash everybody getting close to each other moments, including a conversation in which Jason finds out that Sam is planning to spend Christmas alone in Hawaii and he's absolutely scandalized by this. Sam's Hawaii trip, of course, keeps getting pushed back. So right now he's planning on leaving on Christmas Eve. At a certain point, we are introduced to Jason's family, which, again, big family. And Sam gets tackled by Jason's mother's dog and ends up knocking over the Christmas tree. There is a Christmas fair at some point, and reindeer plush toys are won at some kind of game in abundance. And they all go on a Christmas lights walk together. And at the Christmas lights walk, at some point, Sam and Jason end up alone and end up having a heart-to-heart about their respective relationship problems and why neither of them can find the one. Jason apparently was out in L.A. and dated all these guys and none of them were right for him. And so then he decided to move home. And what he really wants is to start a family and he's going to do it even if he has to do it by himself. Sam is going on an endless series of first dates and can never get to a second date. So things aren't going well for his love life either. And then the next morning, they I wrote, next morning, they have a moment over Santa Waffles. I don't remember what the moment was, but they had a moment over Santa Waffles. I guess it was Hallmark's attempt at sexual energy, sexual tension over Santa Waffles. So, I mean, I don't know. So anyways, Sam at some point ends up coaching Miles on his role in the play. And he says oh yeah I I was in plays like this when I was your age that's why it later comes out that the reason he relates so much to Miles' struggle is because he apparently was not a great public speaker as a kid and he ended up taking some speech classes and so he knows what Miles is going through and so he's coaching him to be better in this play so of course he can impress his crush Arabella meanwhile Jason is painting the nursery oh yeah I forgot to mention that Jason is also a contractor who is working on the nursery for the new baby And there's this great scene that had potential to be something that it was not in which Jason is painting and Sam offers to help. And then Jason says, you don't want to get paint on your sweater. And so he takes it off. And I'm like, what is this actually happening? But he has a t-shirt underneath and it's the most sexless thing ever. And it was really disappointing. But he was, I just have to say, the absolute worst at even pretending to paint. Like it was like the uh, Sam. His painting acting was so bad. Like, there's no way he was actually painting anything. I, I couldn't believe it. Or has ever seen Hallmark, anyone paint anything and knows how it works. Yeah. And you know that Hallmark had to, uh, had to hire an intimacy coach for that scene. And uh, the <laughs> undershirt was taped to his underwear so that it would not come out when the sweater came out zero percent chance zero percent oh, right chance. because okay. obviously when you t- you know your shirt could get stuck in your sweater but not on hallmark not on no. hallmark that doesn't happen static electricity doesn't exist Does in hallmark exist. Oh, that's a very good point i didn't even think about that you know, i'm really yeah. glad we're watching this with some hallmark versions just to sort of like keep us honest here because here i am being like oh yeah, this is the most steamy on-screen chemistry we've seen. Yeah, that's because the bar is so fucking low. <laughs> I was really holding out. 
for this earth. Let's see. I know how to paint because I did not. He actually were holding out for a lot of things while watching this that didn't amount to anything, unfortunately. Okay, so we get through this scene, Mary. What happens next? We have a gift wrapping thing going on. So there's a thing where they're going to wrap some gifts for the kids after the kids are in bed and they end up talking. And at some point, they end up holding hands. And there's this moment where Danya then comes downstairs and asks for something and they were holding hands and then they scramble to cover up the gifts that they were wrapping so that she doesn't see them. And it's this cute thing because, you know, first of all, they, you know, were touching, which is like the most sexual thing that happens in a Hallmark movie is holding hands, basically. And then also because they're, you know, very cutely, you know, trying to hide the present from the cute little girl. Next, there is some kind of FaceTime conversation with Nate and Kathy, who, you know, again, have been off getting their new baby. And apparently the baby has arrived and they want to be home soon and they really want to be home in time for Christmas. And it's really important to the kids, especially Danya, that they be home in time for Christmas. But it's snowing because of course it's snowing and they don't know if it'll be safe to make it home on these roads and they kind of like go through a list of options and they're like can we fly no the baby's too little we can't fly oh okay well and then they're like well what about dad dad has you know an suv can dad come pick you up and take you home and they're like well dad's out in his cabin and he doesn't get cell phone reception so we can't get in touch with him and in the most convoluted way ever sam thinks of a way to save christmas and the way he thinks of to save christmas is dad's kind of neighbor i guess has a landline and mom sometimes calls kind of neighbor when she needs to get a hold of dad and kind of neighbor drives over to dad's house and tells him that the family needs to talk to him and then dad goes someplace where he has access to a phone and calls them and they're like okay well i don't have kind of neighbor's phone number and sam's like oh i have it we used to go fishing together and so Sam basically saves Christmas by calling kind of neighbor and telling him to get dad on the phone. So kind of neighbor drives over to dad's house and gets dad who then calls them back and finds out that he is a grandfather again and also that his services are needed as a chauffeur in his SUV to bring the happy family home in but, time for but Christmas. But I, I think that the most important part of that all is that by him having the kind neighbor's phone number and and knowing how to fish, it made him more relatable to Jason. Really mm -hmm. Jason. 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 Who's Sam? Is Sam him? Sam is I actually the guy. don't know their names. Yeah, Sam. Okay. So I think that's, you know, that was the whole importance of that whole scene, right? I mean, yeah. it wasn't. So maybe this is just because every gay man tries to make every other man have sex with men. But I thought the dad was gay. But maybe that's just because I thought think every and that's what they're divorced. Yeah, oh, like I made the whole backstory of why they're divorced, and the neighbors really are the kind of neighbors, not really a kind of neighbor. Oh, it's another kind of neighbor. Yeah, oh, it's that kind of neighbor. Yeah, uh, they like holding fishing poles. Okay, I understand. Yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously, it's just homework can't say. That's it's that about... that that's for the sequel of this film. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, anyways, Christmas Eve morning comes around and dad and Kathy and Nate and new baby are not there yet but supposedly they're coming Sam gets up before everyone else and makes breakfast and this is a really big deal and he gets an actual applause from the kids and Jason and there's a line where he says where Jason says you cooked with fire and Sam says you make me sound like a caveman and yeah and it was all over all of the commercials for this movie then we have the Christmas play and unfortunately Nate and Kathy are not home in time to see Miles perform his role in the Christmas play where he is the narrator for the story of Santa. But of course, Sam and Jason are able to go. And at one point, Sam is in the audience before the play talking to Jason's mother. And Jason mother's, Jason's mother says that Arabella has been talking about how good Miles is in the play because, oh, you know, she has such a crush on him, at which point Sam thinks he's being subtle and is not at all and says, would you excuse me for just a minute, runs backstage to tell Miles that Arabella likes him. I just want to point out, if I had a dime for every time that growing up, 
I told my grandmother who I had a crush on, I would have zero dimes. This whole storyline was just weak in general, right? Like I sort of didn't care. It was pretty. And then they had this whole whole scene backstage, and then we never pretty much saw Miles or Arabella ever again. Right. Right. We don't even know if he actually did like her. To be honest, like it's like it's almost like they cut the the rest of that story out. There should have been like a Christmas kiss, like under the tree on stage. That should have been the end of the play, right? Like that's how it should have. Right. This is the same grandma that invites herself in to the like neighbor's house, right? Unannounced with the dog, and I was like, okay, there's like this is too like incestual. (laughs) So Miles and Arabella can't date because they're basically cousins. They're cousins. I just said that this whole thing is very insensual. Like, I can't tell who's in the same family, who's not in the same family. They're all just dating each other. And, and like, you know, the grandmother, you can't clearly tell if she is Jewish or Italian, but they're celebrating Christmas <laughs> Italian. Well, their last name is DeVito, like, so. <laughs> right? Because, I mean, oh, then that's, then that's it. All right, so where we're up to? We're up to... The Christmas Eve performance. Yes. After said cool grandmother, Jason's mom, invites Sam and family over to the DeVito family Christmas Day brunch. And Sam says he's going to be in Hawaii. After the kids go to bed, Sam and Jason are talking and Sam shares that his favorite Christmas tradition his family has is to turn off all the lights except for the Christmas lights and just be present. And I think that we can all agree there is a lot that could happen when all of the lights except the Christmas lights go off. But what does happen is they sing Silent Night, maybe think about kissing, and then Kathy and Nate come home with dad and the new baby. Okay, so I actually found this scene very relatable, right? My family does this. We turn the lights off. We all like like listen to Silent Night. We do not sing it because we are terrible singers. So I was waiting for like a cute like record player or like a Bing Crosby or some some other like very like traditional like let's bring it all together. Instead, Jason sings, hums the first like verse of it, and then sings the next few words. They have a couple of awkward glances, and we're like, okay, now now I feel awkward watching this because you feel awkward doing it. <laughs> It was definitely awkward. And one thing that actually kind of made me mad in some ways was that, so I suppose this was because it would have been too bright, but the Hallmark, as you guys may or may not know, overboards the decor, as you probably noticed, like the Christmas decorations, like way more Christmas decorations than anyone in their right mind would have in their house. But they had plenty of other like garlands that had lights on and all of them were off. So it looked very strange to me that just the tree was on. But I guess that was the point. I don't know. Maybe not. Or that he turned it off with one light switch that happened to be like right next right. to the fireplace on I Marvel. I did notice Ed. that. Like <laughs> each one turned one light switch and they all went off. It was like, yeah. I don't think that's what happened. <laughs> For sure. I actually think that the whole Silent Night moment was uh, bad negotiations with the agents because they probably didn't put in the contract that he was going to be required to sing. Um, and they didn't want to pay extra, so then he could only say a couple of lines. So I, I really think, I blame it on the producers. Anyways, so now we know that it's Christmas Eve and Sam is still planning on flying out the next day, Christmas Day. His, Like I said, his flight keeps getting pushed back right now, his flight's on Christmas Day. And so because they had this arrangement with Jason Coneying with him, he now has to pay him. And so he pays him more than they agreed upon. The amount is never specified. And it's extremely awkward because Jason clearly doesn't want to take it. And what we're clearly seeing happening here is that yes, they have feelings for each other and it's weird to pay each other now, except Sam doesn't get that because again, with how Sam's solution to every problem is to throw money at it. And so he wants to give Jason extra money to help him cover the, you know, lawyer for the adoption. And it's very awkward. And he tries to refuse it. And Sam insists. Anyways, at some point after this, Sam ends up deciding to stay for Christmas and not go to Hawaii. And in the morning, he finds that Jason has left the check in his stocking. At which point, Sam has a heart to heart with his sister, Kathy, and explains why he has relationship problems. He says that he really, really likes Jason 
even though they're so different because Jason clearly is looking for uh, a family. So he clearly, if he, you know, is looking for a partner, he's looking for marriage and he definitely wants children. And Sam has never dreamed of marriage and children, but he explains that the reason he's never dreamed of marriage and children isn't necessarily because he knows that's not what he wants, but because for so much of his life, it wasn't an option just because of the political situation. And so he has never had the chance to decide whether or not that's what he wants. And maybe it is what he wants. Maybe he should be open to it. At which point, of course, Kathy convinces Sam to tell Jason how he feels at the same time, Jason is having a heart-to-heart with someone. I wasn't clear on who. Was that his brother? I'm not sure about how much he likes Sam. But then Sam is the kind of guy who would go away for Hawaii instead of spending Christmas with his family. Do I really want to be with that kind of guy? And he's like, you know, it's screwed. I really like him. I need to tell him how I feel. At which point they run into each other just as Sam is about to knock on Jason's door and confess how they feel. They have feelings for each other. They want to be together, and they kiss. And this is a big deal. I'm pretty sure this is the first gay kiss on Hallmark. And the whole family is there watching them kiss and cheering because it is Hallmark. And then the movie's over. It was a good kiss. It was. It was, it was, a good it was kiss. very exciting. It was a good kiss. I was like, if they don't actually do it, I'm gonna be fucking pissed off because like well, they kiss like three times in, everyone kisses in hallmark at the end so i was like in fact this season they're kind of been known for kissing much prior to the end so i was like what's gonna happen with this one so i was glad they kissed but i did wonder just because i got a little distracted in the beginning did you talk mary about not that we need to go back to it but did you i think we should just talk as a team did you talk about his the fact that his friend was a lesbian who got engaged at the very start of the movie oh yeah at the very start of the movie is sort of a tool for exposition. We have Sam talking to his friend who is a woman who just got engaged to another woman. And she's telling him how she hopes that he'll find Mr. Right. And again, we're introduced to the idea of Sam keeps going on first dates and can't meet anyone. I did wonder why it it was sort of an odd choice, (laughs) like writing wise, to have Kathy and Nate adopting only because it, it was just a less obvious way to write it. Like the obvious way to write it would have been that Kathy's pregnant and goes into labor unexpectedly. It, but, it was strange. It was definitely strange. I, but again, I think they were trying to em- emphasize this like non-traditional family concept. Yeah. But what I didn't, what I couldn't figure out was because their kids were pretty old for them to start and have another baby again. But you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Everybody kind of, especially. Especially, I thought the girl, the daughter was a little bit too old to be like, are mommy and daddy not going to love me anymore because they have another baby? Like, oh, yeah. Oh. We forgot that heart to heart. It's not even worth talking about. It was so lame. But I just was like, again, another storyline that was kind of unnecessary, but it showed his like sensitive side and Jason got to observe it or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think that, that convinced Jason that Sam was a good family person, right? Like he could be a family man, right? Yeah. Speaking to having that conversation with her. Right. Can I just say thank you to whoever in the group chat just rectified a grave injustice of this movie, which is George Chrissa never being shirtless by clearly going through George Chrissa's Instagram until you found <laughs> an appropriate photo to remedy the situation. Don't worry. There are several. And it's it's worth it. We did not get that image on our chat. So I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Matt's like, please forward to me directly. (laughs) It's on your text. It's in your text. So you got to check it out. Oh, it's in the text. In the text shot. Oh, it's good because his mouth is closed. I hate his teeth. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure about his chest hair. It looks a bit like glued on. But no, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm fine with it too. I'm totally okay with this. That's a good bingo. Congratulations. Okay, so we obviously had lots of thoughts about this movie. Let's think about our Hallmark Christmas bingo moments. I actually wrote down quite a few on this because, which Mary and I really could comment on that, like, to try and do a gay love story in a Hallmark setting was a challenge in and of itself, but then to get it to be 
a gay love story that's lovely because we did all like get a bit happy at the end and, and I, w- I was genuinely feeling good about myself watching it just because it was such a nice thing to do for humanity to do this movie and usually I'm like oh they fucking fell in love again but this was like yay someone new falling in love it's really exciting but the, to also get some of the hallmark tropes right as well is actually kind of fun I thought so I had the sister and brother-in-law get stuck in a snowstorm. Like, that's like going back decades of Hallmark movies. Yes, there's always a snowstorm keeping people in whatever cute situation they're in. Right, right. And, you know, so them having to stay away because there's a snowstorm, very, very typical. Someone that's bad at Christmas wrapping, when he's, like, trying to be a rap wrapping the Christmas presents and Sam is obviously not good at it, that's pretty Hallmarky. But usually they're, like, exceptionally good. I know that I'm a Hallmark version, but I feel like them fought like the first meeting or a meeting where one falls into the other's arms i feel like that's so hallmark oh like yeah when they first met, like the sam fell into jason's arms that's i was like okay every time one falls somewhere and one catches them correct that's a very typical meet cue for sure and then my last one was a christmas play that actually is on christmas eve that apparently the whole neighborhood can come to because they're not doing anything else on christmas eve yeah, I had a Christmas play as my bingo moment. You took oh, the good one. Oh, shit. Ones. Sorry. I'm going to add it. It's all right. It's it. all right. No, don't. Don't. I've got another. I've got a backup. Okay, cool. Mary, give you examples, and then the boys will be surely worried up on what they can pick. All right. So my bingo moment, one of them was the Christmas play, and I did think about the blizzard as well, but I'm going to go with the fact that the whole family creepily watches them kiss and then cheers afterwards. <laughs> That actually was probably the cheesiest moment, but I, I did get like all the feels when everybody was super happy about it. I like I'm happy for them, but it's still extremely hallmark that rather than merely expressing privately that they are happy for them, they are actually watching them make out and Correct. cheering. Correct. And interrupting immediately upon kissing. Yeah. All right. What about Matt and Jonathan? Jonathan, you said the meet cute, which I think is a very good example of a bingo moment. I also feel that like in homework, the tree always gets ruined or they always like clumsy. There's always like that clumsy one that they embarrass themselves. That's very home from what like the little clips of homework that I know. Yeah, that's a good one. Trippy. Yeah. So I feel like the tree doesn't often get ruined, but there is oftentimes some clumsiness and that usually comes into play on like a skating rink. Oh, yes. Very true. Very, very Oh, that's good. And I also feel like um, the characters having these like obvious like personality disorders, right? Like the the sister <laughs> so neurotic about like then at like ten oh one they do crafts. Like Sam just like I don't know it it's it just too in line with like what a psychologist would diagnose someone with. I I thought a traditional Hallmark moment was when they panned the camera and there was only one black person in the image. <laughs> oh God. Okay, not anymore. Okay, so they're getting better at that. Yeah, they're very inclusive. I actually did some. I I typed in the name of this movie on Google today, so I I will not lie. I did do a little bit of research on this, and I like saw some behind the scenes things. The behind the scenes things. The Sam guy took off his shirt. Not the not the like. What was it? What was the term that we learned today? Smoke show. Not the smoke show, but Sam did, like, in some of the behind-the-scenes things have, like, you know, we didn't see his nipples, because you never can see nipples, even man nipples, but you saw chest hair. Chris, what was your Hallmark to go moment? I think it was a good call-out. There was a Christmas tree in a room that didn't deserve a Christmas tree. Yes. Are we talking about Danya's room, the little girl? Yeah, Danya's room, where you're like, is that a Christmas tree? And it was like, in, and if you sort of like looked in it, you kind of thought about the layout of the room, it's probably like in the closet. She put her Christmas tree in the closet. Oh, what is that an image oh, for? Oh, you're right. You're right. I didn't think about that until it just came out of my mouth, but you're absolutely right. right. Wow. Christmas in the closet. Is it like a take on Hallmark coming out? Ooh, interesting. No, that's actually good because you're right. She definitely, I mean, what kid has their own tree? Would you expect Santa to, to like bring the fucking presents to that tree? Yeah, the kid the kid was loaded. That's why she was she was, you know, not caring about the 50 bucks. I sent Mary Hallmark had posted on Instagram. They're like, get ready for the preview of the holiday sitter. The percentage of not excited people about it that commented. What did we think? It was about a third, Mary, right? We're like, yeah. In fact, one of the comments, I want to call it up. She said it. they needed to give the movies a rating. 
and I wanted to know what it stood for. She gave it a weird letter rating, which I think was LG, which all I could think was a lesbian gay rating. So she got a heads up if there was going to be lesbians or gays in the movie. You sent me this thread and you were like, oh, you need to read the comments. I was actually really dismayed at reading the comments because sure, probably more of them were supportive than not, but there were enough not supportive comments that I found it really, considering that Instagram's, you know, usership skews pretty young, I I would still, I I was still really dismayed to see as many people posting hateful shit as were. Well, I think I learned that there's a lot more old ladies watching this than I thought when we learned about the Heinies, but Okay, so this one comes from, and I'm going to call her out, Annette P-R-O-V-356, if you want to harass her on Instagram. Not watching, period. I wish Hallmark would change their rating system to LG for gay ones, so I know which ones have gay characters. When they show up in a movie, I turn it off. So sad to see people calling Sin good. Yet she commented wow. on it. I know, right? She saw the movie. Correct. Means she got the message and watched the movie anyways. I think don't don't read the comments. That's really my thought in life. Well, and movie. there are so many that have said this is great, this is great, this is great. But like the the third that said no were like so adamant that it was bad. That I was like, just go watch the fucking Great American Family Network if you're not into that. I did in my little research thing, I did see that I don't know if it was like a Hallmark exec producer or something like that, did say that they kind of expected kind of that, uh, I guess, backlash. I don't know if that's the proper term for it, but that they decided that they weren't really making the movie for them anyway. So I kind of like that. I like that response. Jonathan Bennett himself, he's a gay man. He has been with the network for a while. And to be fair, he is not alone in the Hallmark movie. The, the Hunks of Hallmark, who have their, is, is a, Hunks of Hallmark is its own Instagram account where they just like track the hot guys on Hallmark. I would say at least 50% of them are gay as well. And I actually applaud Jonathan Bennett for being like, I am staying here and I want you to tell my stories. Nobody's telling my stories. Will you do it? And I actually think that, I mean, I like I said, I felt so good at the end of this movie. And normally I'm like half asleep because there's too many ads. But I really felt good about this movie that they were so inclusive in what they were doing. And I thought it was great. If I can follow up on that, I, I did think this was an above average Hallmark movie for a lot of reasons. And I'm very glad that it was a huge step forward for Hallmark at the same time. I do want to be a little bit careful about how much praise we're heaping on them because I kind of feel like this is something that should have been done a very long time ago that they're just getting around to putting one gay couple in their 40 movie schedule. The other part about it too is that, you know, there's part of the DE&I process is not just inclusion, is equity, right? Right. So how equitable is that out of your 20-something movies you're going to put this year? Oh, 40. Mary's right. It's like 40. One of your movies will be LGBTQ plus lead, right? When we know that one-fifth of the population is in in, in the spectrum of LGBTQ plus, right? So... I mean, and then again, as I said, there was, I want to say there was one black person in this whole entire movie, right? So I, 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 you know, if, 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 if they do this and they can sleep at night because they did it, good for them, but I wouldn't be sleeping at night at night so easily because of one movie. I think it's probably Um, like a, like Mary said, a step in the right direction. It's definitely not a catch off for everything. And yeah, they do have a lot to do, but considering this used to be like Whitey McWhite falls in love with Whitey McWhite, White, White. So in the previous, and not only do they fall in love, they get married by the end, which is why we started rewriting them in the first place, because that's so unrealistic that like a week later you marry that dude. well, Sarah, I think the money is just not there anymore, right? Like, I mean, let's let's be real here, right? Like, they're uh, seeing what every other company is starting to see that 
the market out there is calling for a more more realistic representation of society. People want to see themselves in the stories that they're watching on television and they're watching on the movie theaters. And, you know, when you're not hitting that mark, it, it just doesn't make people feel good and they take their money elsewhere. Right. Yeah, I think this has everything to do with trying to reach a broader demographic. I think Hallmark's traditional audience is essentially like white boomer evangelical women. It's and... not because Mary and I started making fun of how bad the movies are and rewriting them and did a podcast about it. Oh, that's definitely I the think... reason, yeah. Well, that's definitely why. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but that's I think why I'm here. Hashtag relatable with Hallmark Top. I will say that I... I mean, and I'll say this as someone who like liked the movie, right? I feel like a Hallmark mom. I was telling him yesterday, right? I'm like, I must be a Hallmark mom because I'm like crying every like 10 minutes or something. But I did feel that like when it got mushy, right? Especially like the parts that Sam was talking about and the parts that Jason was talking about. I did feel, right, that it was written by someone who, like, it's not like a straight person trying to write about a gay experience. I did feel that it was a gay person writing about a gay experience. And that's that's huge for Hallmark. That's awesome. That's really good to know. So I I will say that. I mean, maybe that's just my only opinion, like, that, just for me, but I I, I did feel that. And I didn't even know. Like when he found out, when he felt like he realized Jason was gay, I thought there were a couple too cheesy of moments, but I'm glad that you that you thought. Well, yes, of, of course, right? Because like that's like I don't know, playful or whatever, and that just kind of falls into the Hallmark brand. But I think that when he was talking to his sister about you know not yes. not really thinking that this and he was, was crying, he was him, crying. Yeah. yeah, like I thought I felt that was real, right? That was re- really relatable, and just even talking about like dating as a gay man that was really relatable as well. So I didn't even know that. Uh, um, I, I don't know what the actor's name is. I didn't know that he, like, even in my my little research thing, I didn't realize that he had written it. So, like, oh, now God. that like now that I realize that, I'm like, yeah, I definitely felt that a gay per- like a gay man wrote this film. That's um, great. So, that is a great segue I like into it. <laughs> our other relatable moments because you just mentioned, and I think this you know is it will be really interesting to get you guys' opinion on what was relatable. Because usually these movies are so unrealistic that we struggle. That was a very good example, Jonathan. What about what about you, Matt? What did you relate to? I guess I'm the more cynical one. I did relate with the idea that sometimes it takes you kind of a the you know the being more career driven versus family driven, but also wanting that kind of uh, was was relatable, right? Okay. Chris, what about you? I mean, I, I totally agree that the couch moment with the sister at the end was the most relatable. Like I was a little teary. My mom was a little teary. I think I said something in the group chat. I was like, this is it. This is the moment that I feel like most related to because it was talking about sort of gay dating in general and how hard it is to find somebody that is on the same page as you. That's nice. Mary, what was relatable for you? Well, obviously my relatable moment was far more shallow. Mine was at the end, Jason is wearing a like dinosaur themed ugly Christmas sweater. And while I do not own a dinosaur themed ugly Christmas sweater, that's the sort of thing I would do. Yes, that's so that's yeah, that's my relatable. Definitely would. I actually wrote uh, endless series of bad dates. Oh, all right. That he goes on. I I have had second dates, but not many of them. Because I usually, because I instantly judge them in the first date. Which is probably not very good of me, but I usually do. And then I decide to not go out with them again. But, you know, maybe I will meet my Jason someday too. So that's good. Okay, good. We're just starting about thinking about how we would rewrite this and do it the justice that it deserves. But also, you know, hallmark it up in in the right way as well. So, I mean, Chris made a comment about how there was kind of a lot of pressure on this movie to get it right precisely because they've never done this before. And, you know, that was maybe more successful in some way than in others. And I think Matt had some really good comments, too, about how, you know, what was missing from this movie is that we don't see 
you know, gay characters in a role of already having established a family, maybe them being the ones giving advice to straight characters starting a family rather than the other way around. I do think it's worth noting, though, that what this movie did was it inserted gay characters into a very tried and true Hallmark playbook. So instead of saying, since the characters are gay, we're going to flip the script, what they did was they said, this story that we always tell about, you know, a career woman and the boy next door, we're now going to tell this story about two men. And there's something to be said for Hallmark in a way, like, I hate Hallmark's playbook, but in this case, I do think there's something to be said for them to have, for them having to some extent used that playbook to show that that playbook can look different, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. It's not, I don't know. I think there were definitely some cheesy things and it's definitely a step in the right direction. Like most things, it's not the solution, but it was, it definitely made me feel good, which often some of these movies just make me feel bored. Probably the one I got through till the end. Like I stayed up till the end and I didn't fall asleep on my couch, which is happens to most of them. Unless, of course, it has Christopher Palaha in it and then I watch the whole thing and it doesn't <laughs> So maybe that's how this movie could have been better. It's just more Palaha. And, well, Palaha. and of course, The Three Wise Men, which again was a bit outside of the norm. So I, I think we need to definitely, as like people who... I guess two women who have been watching Hallmark movies now for four seasons on like a habitual level should acknowledge that these ones that are outside of the regular are probably the most successful ones we've seen in a long time. I think that's true. And I also think that poses a problem for a rewrite, but I still think that Matt and Chris both have some really good points. And so Matt's point is basically that there's a lot that this movie did not accomplish that it could have accomplished. And Chris earlier made another point that the weakest part of this movie was the subplots and most of them didn't need to be, didn't need to be there. So the way I see it, we could do go two different directions with this rewrite. One, we could mostly keep the movie how it is, but then make an actual good subplot instead of the ones that sucked. Or two, we could run with some of Matt's suggestions and basically write, like, I don't know, the sequel or, like, an entirely or different course, movie. Like Yeah, like, a, a, you know, they've done, we know they've done, like, the time for you, time for him, time for the, us, blah, 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 to come home for Christmas. Like, maybe there is the holiday, the holiday something else. Not like, maybe there's a sequel that's, you or, know, three years from now when. Or, or, or it's them looking back at when they fell in love while they're doing this other completely different movie. I like the version that's like 10 years from now and we sort of check back in. They clearly have their little family. Miles maybe is coming out and is in love with Declan, which sort of is a nod to the movie, the subplot that never got wrapped up. Arabella is also a total lesbian, but she came out like right after that because she was like, oh, I'm actually not into you at all. That Christmas changed me for life. (laughs) That could be an interesting movie. Oh my God. I like this better already. And then I also sort of complained while we were prepping for the rewrite that the first lesbian introduction was not, was kind of underutilized. So we, I'm sort of hoping that she could be like their like guardian lesbian during this movie to help. Like, I don't know. I just eliminate some of the other characters, but make her a bit more prominent in the movie and the original one in this first version, or maybe she's in the second one a bit more prominent and teaching something. I mean, I think what our discussion about this movie demonstrates, and please guys feel free to jump in if you feel I'm getting this wrong, but I think that what our discussion about this movie demonstrates is that while there were, while there was an important step taken in this movie, the fact that we have so much to say about what it didn't do is a sign of how much of the road is left to travel, if that makes sense. And that's not necessarily saying that these are all things that were wrong with this movie, but that these are other stories that can be told and that maybe Hallmark should tell. Not that Hallmark is really in the business of telling stories for their realisticness, but like if we're going to tell stories about family and coziness, then there are other ways that we could make, you know, gay characters part of stories about family and coziness besides the way this one did it. Well, and Mary, I think maybe it's the, you know, if, if we're going to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, maybe the 
the idea of this movie is is inclusion, but their next step is equity, and it's mm -hmm. out of forty movies, maybe one fifth of them needs to be, you know, LGBTQ plus, and then, and then maybe you know it's like brainstorming, right? Maybe once you get to the tenth idea, you actually have something that's very interesting. When you're trying to solve all the problems with one movie, right, right. I, you know, I don't think that's gonna. That's I hope gonna do the it. people that are excited about this are actually like, I really tried to like jam up our Instagram account with how excited we were about this, that people are loud about it, you know, and, and two thirds louder than the people that were upset about it. I think that was interesting. Raise your comments. Like we need to show them and, and not just gay boys saying thank you hallmark but like the whole country going yay this is what happens in my family christmas time or maybe not exactly how that all worked out because it was still very hallmark and nobody has a even a straight hallmark christmas at home but like why would we not make a movie for to make people feel good that they can relate to well sarah and just you know maybe i'm the cynical one but i actually think it's more I think it's truly more in the advertising, right? Like, right. you're right. You're if right. Hallmark is going to be, you know, inclusive and provide equity for the community, then the advertising will follow, right? And suddenly brands that are equitable and inclusive to LGBTQIA plus will be, you know, promoting their brand on Hallmark you know, but I also feel like what's happening to society is that people are getting closer to the closer to the subject, right? And it's now their nephew or their grandson or their son, right? Or the neighbor next door. Right. And so this is kind of where Hallmark is living in their homes and it's making this more acceptable. But at the same time, you know, Come on, people. It's 2022, 2023 almost, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Get it, Rip. Well, and I suppose just like we see people drop Kanye or whatever the for artist form formerly known as Kanye from their sponsorship deals when he says terrible shit, like, yeah, let's do the reverse. Let's support people doing the right thing by other people. I think that's a very good point. And I, I feel the need, yeah. The sponsors I, do come. As I'm sure Sarah knows, and as I'm sure people who know me know, I, I don't have a lot of faith in, like, the market to bring us justice on anything from gay rights to, you know, any number of other issues. And so I am a little bit uncomfortable with being like, oh, yeah, well, when people start sponsoring it, then they'll know. I mean, I, all in all, I think this is a great movie, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, th I think, yes, I think Matt makes a total good point. There's a long road ahead. Yeah. And a long way to go. But the fact that all of us were pretty much like, yeah, it was watchable. It was decent. We yeah. enjoyed it. Characters were good. They hit on some topics that were maybe a little edgy for Hallmark. Maybe not as edgy for sort of mainstream media. But the fact that I was able to sit down with my parents and watch a gay rom-com, like that would have been unheard of even like 10 years ago. Right. But like, here we are, we, we watched it, we enjoyed it and we've, it's becoming part of our daily day lives. And that's, that's, that's a conversation that's worth having. So good for them. And yeah. I do think that this is the beginning of a series. I think I read that, that whatever it is that Jonathan did with the Hallmark network, this is actually going to be a series. Oh, good. Oh, that's so fantastic. Is, yeah. So there is going to be more films about this. So I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm a little less uh, critical than Matt. Uh, or cynical than that. But I, I think like, okay, well, you know, they didn't have to make everyone gay. They didn't have to do everything in like the hour and a half that they had to make this movie. So um, well, I, I actually think we did comment on, and I have a feeling Mary even maybe missed it because hers fell out. But this is where I think we could potentially add a bit of fun even to our version or at least the next movie that Jonathan Bennett made a comment about when he was talking to the dog. He said, stop trying to make fetch happen. Which was of course, an <laughs> awesome push through to Mean Girls. I actually hadn't realized until you posted about this on Instagram, Sarah, that Jonathan Bennett was the guy in Mean Girls. Yes, he is in Mean Girls. 
And, and so I was so excited about that so much that I was like, holy shit, Lacey Chabert should be in this movie or in the next one. And because she has replaced Candace Camembert as the queen of Hallmark, the queen of Christmas, actually, not just Hallmark, like the queen of Christmas, they call her. And, and obviously Lacey was very supportive of Jonathan in this, in this film, which I think is great. So I want to put more Mean Girls references in the ones going forward for sure. Oh my gosh, I really want a movie where they're both in it. And maybe this can be where we follow up on Matt's idea where at this point, Jason and Sam, you know, are married and have their family. And then maybe Lacey and her, I don't know, um, you know, Lacey is a newlywed and she and her partner, whether it's a husband or wife, you know, we can decide that at another time are, you know, about to start a family and kind of overwhelmed by everything and asking them for advice or- I think that would be awesome. I love it. I and love it. they can still be arguing about whether they're going to make Fetch happen. Yes. I was just like, oh my God, that was the best line ever. And he even put something on his Instagram account that was like, you're welcome for his for his little line about stop trying to make Fetch happen. I mean, really, what is Lindsay Lohan doing right now, right? She just did a Christmas movie on Netflix, just in the Hallmark style. Exactly. So, like, the next one, she should be in there. She can be the... Oh, my God, you're right. What what role would she play? Oh, God, what role would she play? She's a sister. They're getting out of rehab. Yeah, exactly. She's a sister (laughs) they're putting in rehab. Well, then we'd have to get Rachel McAdams as well. Like, this would have to become an all-star cast. She might have gotten too big. I know. I know, but Lindsay, Lindsay definitely could be in it. Her, to be fair, I watched her Netflix movie. I thought it was awful, so she could probably use some help in the Christmas movie <laughs> one. No offense, Lindsay. That's right. You're you're just a mean girl at heart. It's fine, but not. You know, we know you changed the mean girls forever. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, I think this was a very. It was a bit of a different kind of rewriting think because we are trying to be positive with their with their direction that they're going although you know matt is expecting miracles overnight we'll get there i think i'm excited to see that there might be another sequel i have high expectations sarah well like you said it's a fifth of the population like we need representation and equity we need eight movies next year and i think that's great i think we should have more of this i am happy to say that mary and i have said we will never watch a gag film and we're just gonna stick to i mean trying to watch hallmark is hard enough i can't imagine trying to watch a more conservative one it would probably make us crazy so yeah no i'm excited and and to be fair i did not miss candace cameron bray at all this year i never liked her there i said it i know we never were really big fans except that she was like I mean, I think my favorite thing she used to do, which she hasn't done for a while, is host like the preview night, which was the cheesiest fucking thing that ever was. So, you know, I'm glad that, yeah, welcome, welcome to the mix, Lacey Chabert, and bring on reuniting the Mean Girls cast for our future series of films. Another thing that I think they did right this time, and I think credit goes to Jonathan Bennett for the writing is a constant complaint that I have in most Hallmark movies is that you end up having this couple with zero chemistry but we're supposed to believe they're in love with each other and there's no good reason why they shouldn't be together and so they have to invent a really contrived reason to keep them from being together like when you know Jalen gets really mad at Matt the bodyguard in last week's movie over not showing her the stalker notes or whatever but in this movie there was a clear Uh, there was a clear barrier that was believable and it was that they seemed to you know be different people that want different things but they did have evident chemistry in spite of that and the resolution to the movie tackled it head-on and didn't skate over that conflict and addressed the fact that they were very different people who wanted different things but maybe they needed to have a closer look at what they wanted or maybe Sam needed to have a closer look at what he wanted and I, I think the reason I ended up doing this podcast to begin with is because I'm so cynical about romance movies to begin with. I'm not like a huge fan of them in general, but like if you're going to do a romance movie, like that is the correct, I, I think that like that is the way to do it, to create two characters with clear chemistry and clear feelings for each other with a barrier to the relationship, but it's a barrier that can be faced and resolved in a happy ending. Yeah, no, I think that's very true, Mary. It was 
oddly not typically formulaic, but um, right. in, a, in a much better way. All right. Well, do we know, we sometimes now guys look at what we're watching next week. We do know what we're watching next week. It's Hanukkah on Rye. Ooh, yes. We're watching the Hanukkah one, which I actually, I mean, I'd be interested to see if our Jewish friends are offended by that title, but I actually think it's kind of clever. Um, Diane, who's going to be on with us next week, told me, she heard the title. She, I think her exact words were, love it. I love a sandwich. Oh, good. That's great. I <laughs> it's quite clever. So that's fun. Well, we had Chris had to drop off, but we want to thank Chris, Matt, and Jonathan for joining us this week on Hallmarked Up. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you, you for, for having, having us. us. No, you guys are great. But yeah, Hanukkah and Rai, I don't know what that'll actually be about. It sort of suggests that there's going to be some sort of deli theme, maybe. So what do you think? What could happen at what could happen at this Jewish deli? Well, probably maybe this like I know in New York, and I think even in Philly on the main line, there's like competing Jewish jellies. Oh, so, so is this going to be okay? So, this, is this going to be an enemies to lovers sort of thing where there are I, owners I think of competing it's a jellies? bit like what's the book one, the bookstore one? Oh, you've got mail, yeah. You well, yes, you know, like something like that, like competing competing businesses, and surely the yeah, that's what I think competing delis that are trying to make the best, the best deli sandwiches. I think there's one thing we do know for sure that'll happen, though. That is? They will fall in love. Fall in love. All right. Well, tune in next week for that. And thanks again, guys. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Hallmarked Up. Find us online at hallmarkedup.com, on Instagram at hallmarkedup, and on Facebook at Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah. Remember to follow, listen, and review wherever you get your podcasts.